You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Welcome everybody to the Sewing and Growing podcast. This is Jay and Jay and Jay and Ooh, E. Yes, we have special J guests, e. Reverend Jim and Aaron Hockaday. And I want to tell you, one of the easiest gentlemen to listen to and yes. also... I've had a little bit of conversation before this podcast with him and his awesome wife, Aaron. Just great to talk with. And you're a part of the conversation yep. today. So thanks for tuning in, Pastor Jonathan. I know you're excited to have them. What do you want to say? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to talk about the weekend and how amazing that we thought that was. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Um, and then most people, not most, everyone actually, everybody I talked to said that they were just completely amazed, blown away, healed. And what he said, so easy to listen to, like a lot of times you, I think you made mention of this when people are, you know, looking at their watches, you know, we got to get to a point. There's actually an old Eddie James song uh, when he sings, let it rain. And he goes, you know, God, you pour out, pour out your spirit until people stop looking at their watches on Sunday morning. That's That's what we need. And you talked about that. And I, I felt that like you just look up at the clock and it's all we're like we're past time i'm like man yeah this was going by so fast because of how you were able to communicate the word and 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 work with the spirit of god and just bless everybody's socks off this weekend so thank you so much sir. yeah it's so good to be with you uh aaron uh it's wonderful to be with these guys we've had some fun talking with him already and so now to be on the podcast it's going to be yeah. really great and uh i know that uh you know aaron will have some things to say here in a moment but um yeah. You know, let's just take that subject just for a second. Let me just comment on that. Yeah. Okay. Remember Jesus said, in the way that you've done it to the least of mine, you've done it unto me. Wow. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So in in the manner in which I can connect with the people, the same way they're connecting with him. So it's just always been, and now we've talked a little bit, John, you asked me a question. We might even be able to get back into it, but we've talked a little bit about some things concerning maybe some style of what, how that developed in me. But here's one thing that I always had. Now, this goes back way before, way before Rama, which I came to Rama Bible Training Center in 1986 and graduated in 88. We were, I was hired on with the Rama Singers and Band to travel with Brother Hagen and the Crusade team in, in the spring of 88 before I graduated. Aaron came in uh, 89 to 91, and I saw her playing volleyball on the volleyball court, and she was just a real hoot and, and actually really, really good. She's got some great hand-eye coordination, even, even to this day. <laughs> and um, and I really like that. Nice. Drew my attention toward her. And so, yeah. uh, anyhow, we got married in 1991 in, Ju- in July. But um, this goes back before then. I traveled in different ministry groups. I traveled with a group uh, called uh, the Spurlows. And that actually was, uh, that's kind of a fun, funny story there. But actually it was name. a, well, the Spurlows... <laughs> It comes from the, the the guy that actually was over that group is called uh, Spurlow. No, Thurlow Spur is what his name is. Thurlow. So he just kind of combined Spur. his names. He Say did. He that did. three times fast. Thurlow Spur. Thurlow Spur. <laughs> Thurlow Spur. Anyhow, um, you know he he put out. Uh, he was the first one way back in the early the late sixties, early seventies. He was the first one that got a full band into a church. Up until that time, there were no full bands. And he put a full band in a church and had people uh, that wanted to volunteer were a, were a choir. And then he had a leading eight singers up in the front. And he put together a choir backing up those eight singers with a full band and put on concerts in churches. And it was a brand new thing, and many people didn't like it at that time. Anyhow... He had another group, which was the worldly group that I was in. Now, they were all Christians, but we did 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s music to a 45-minute dance routine. What? And, yeah, what? I'm not kidding. What? It's it's crazy. 
uh, costumes and all. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Our first gig was at the Kennedy Center. Steve Allen was actually the host that night, and and there were probably seven, eight thousand people, and I had only been with him for one week, so it, it was very funny. <laughs> so I've been in different groups. The true, I've been in Truth. I've been in a group called Living Word Singers, uh, front person there in that group. Now, when I traveled in Truth, there was a guy by the name of Roger Breland, who's the who's the originator of Truth. Okay, and he's just such a, an amazing guy even to this day, and he had a skill like nobody. He could read the audience. He knew exactly what to say, and he'd reel them in, and he'd bring them right into the palm of his hand. And being around Roger, I just learned how to read an audience. And I can't tell you what that means, except it's just so. And so I've never had a problem not connecting with the people. And what I learned when I got into healing school, the way that I'm connecting with them is the reason why they're getting something from God. Interesting. Yeah. When you said that, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. I know you're saying that, but what I heard was if you can connect to the people in you doing that with the people and connecting, you're also connecting to the source, which is how the miracles can come. That's right. In the way that the people listen to me with the same intensity, they're actually experiencing him. Wow. Wow. And that has everything to do with whether you're making that connection. Because ultimately, isn't the connection... In other words, don't we want the wires to connect so we can turn lights on with God, right? That's our purpose. Well, that's our purpose. But in the way that I bring the people into a connection with me... And what I'm saying about him, that's how they'll connect with him. And that's the reason why you can get the power to flow while you're talking. Yeah. People are getting healed before you even lay hands yeah, on oh, them. Yeah, absolutely. It happens all the time. Yeah. Meaningful connection. Yeah. Meaningful connection. And we were talking about earlier before we started this podcast about how, because the most... Everyone that listens to this podcast is not in full-time ministry, does not have a podium in front of them. They might have a cash register. They might have a shovel doing landscaping. But prayer is connecting with God, meaningful connection. The tangibility is a word you use a lot. Yeah, interaction. Interaction. Thank you. How do we cultivate that? How do we get deeper with God? Uh, A lot of us know word, praying in tongues, but can you give us some pointers in making that connection. Okay, so the first thing is there's been 40 years of a faith movement that has come out of the um, charismatic renewal that came from the hippie movement, the Jesus movement, people getting all of a sudden the Holy Ghost falling on churches in the Catholic churches and the Baptist churches, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And then there's a faith movement, a teaching movement. Well, I mean, everything about that connection with the Holy Ghost is about faith. I mean, I mean, here I am sitting in this earthly world, and I'm really good at the flesh. We all are. I mean, in a moment's notice, if you're not careful and you don't allow God to renew your mind, somebody can say something, you can just pop off just like that. Next thing you know, you're in the flesh, and you're ugly, and the way you're saying what you're saying is mean. And it's not kind, and you've just produced some type of a a rift between somebody that now has to be mended. I mean, we're good at the flesh. We've lived in it long. The world just props it up right before our face. The world and Satan is not saying, hey, let me help you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, because that's going to be the greatest thing you could ever experience. No, no. So everything we've learned is about how to be fleshly. And to make that change, you have to use your faith. So I have to use my faith to believe that he's living in me. I have to use my faith to believe when I'm praying that I'm connecting with him. And then I use my faith to believe that he's speaking to me. And then I have to be bold enough to actually use my faith so that the things that I hear going through my mind, I can decipher that that's the Lord. And I've always said this, if you can hear yourself think, you can hear God think. Now think about Mm, that. I'm thinking. I have thoughts about it, and it might be God's thoughts about it. (laughs) I'm learning to decipher it. Yeah. So so faith for that connection. 
Now, there's something else about the connection that you heard me talk about briefly this weekend. Yes. And this is something that my wife was badgering, isn't an edifying word to say about my wife. But she said, man, I just need a spot to be outside. I need a spot to be outside. For me, whenever I shared time with Pastor Jonathan, we talk. I'm like, man, I felt the Lord in that. She's like, I just need to be outside. And I'm like, you really have to be outside? The Holy Spirit's right inside our living room. It's fine. I'm, we don't have an apartment where we have a deck right now. Right. But being outside in nature, talk to me about that and how to connect with God. It's real simple. Has anybody here at the table been to New York uh, New York City, yes. Times Square? You have, yeah. Jonathan? Yeah. Okay. So the lights are so bright at night because of all the billboards, right? The city lights really are so bright that if you were to look up on a beautiful, clear night, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't see through the brightness of those lights. Right. You'd be kind of straining to see that the sky actually is filled with stars. And um, But if you went 30 miles west into the Catskills and you were just a- anywhere there where it was dark and there was no, no evidence of society, mm-hmm. you could look up and you'd see a blanket of stars. Right. So the whole idea of that illustration is to help people to see the New York City is society. It's the world that man made. And if you're if you buy into the world that man made, you will struggle to find God. But if you'll retreat to the world that God made, you'll find him everywhere. Now, remember, God said with his mouth and things happened. They were created. Remember? Well, what took place was there's a residue of God still in every tree, every blade of grass, every bit of oxygen you breathe. It's in the stars. It's in the heavens. The earth shares or tells the story of God because the residue of God is in it. So when you retreat to something of nature and it's all around us at all times, immediately your soul connects with the spirit of God. And you'll say things like, and I've done this all my life, you know, going hunting with my dad. And you're out there, you know, at at, uh, 4.30 in the morning, and dawn is going to come at like maybe 5.50, right? And you're sitting there, and it's cold, and, and it's dark as can be, and there's nothing really moving. And all of a sudden, the light starts coming up, and everything starts to move. And you just look around, and you think, I remember as a kid, and I'm Baptist, so it's pretty good for a Baptist. <laughs> I, I remember I'm sitting there thinking, God, you're so good. God, look at you. Look at you. And I just look around, and, and I know this is silly, but, uh, but it's fall time, and a leaf would fall and just kind of drift down here, and the sunlight would catch it. And something just as silly as that, I'm thinking, oh, God, that's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. Look at how you do. And all of a sudden, you're connected to God. That is the lowest level of a connection that every human being saved or unsaved has. Wow. I feel that way when it rains. I like that. But what I was thinking though is the, the where people disconnect is not to say that God can't speak to you in the middle of Times Square, but everyone's looking for a radical encounter while standing in the middle of Times Square, right? Uh, this is like theoretically speaking. Yeah. And so you want to move, you want him to speak to you, but you're not willing to discipline yourself to go into the wilderness. Perfect. Um, and even myself, and I get hung up sometimes. I'm like, man, why don't I feel close to God? Yet every five minutes I'm scrolling through Instagram or looking at the, the next thing or watching a Netflix show. That's the same thing as the city lights polluting the atmosphere of what God's trying to do. Yeah. And so it takes a, uh, physical and mental spiritual discipline to remove yourself from the societal distractions so God can actually start speaking to so you. So I want to say two things. So yeah. help me with this. First of all, I know I knew where you're going with it takes a discipline because that yeah. came to my mind too while you were saying what you're saying. Maybe it's not as much of a discipline as as we think it is. Maybe there's a distortion to Christianity. Because maybe Christianity was supposed to be as real as us sitting here at this table doing this podcast. It was supposed to be just that real the moment you got saved that you'd sit at the table and see God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. So when you're actually experiencing him, how much of a discipline is that? Or maybe it's just, I like these guys over here way better than I do scrolling on that 
social media. Yeah. You see what I mean? So, so we've got a distortion to Christianity, so then we come up with certain phrases that we think will help us to get back to what's actually real. But if you had what was real, you wouldn't be actually disciplining yourself to have more of God. You wouldn't want anything else. Right. Now, the second part is this. Remember when the disciples couldn't cast out that devil in Mark chapter 9? You know, the father's son, you know, yeah. that was thrown into the water, into the fire yep. to destroy. Him. Remember yep. that? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, because they said, why could we not cast this out? And he said, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Right. Okay. I actually would rather it say it comes out by fasting and prayer. And that's exactly what like you just semantics. said to me. Yeah. It is semantics. And you know why? Because if it was prayer and fasting, you can go to God in prayer and still have your phone and still have all of your connections to the world. And you struggle for about two or three hours just to get past you so that you can actually hear him. But if you went to God in fasting and prayer, what does that mean? It means you first already turned your back on the world and everything that means of the world, you've laid it aside so that the moment you turn toward him, there's nothing to hinder you. Wow. See, isn't that interesting thought thinking of it that way? Here's a follow-up question regarding that story. Do you think when he said this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, do you think he was talking about the demon or the type of unbelief in your heart? No, the unbelief. And the unbelief was not that they didn't say the right saying. They said open sesame just like they were taught. Okay? They said, come out in the name of Jesus, just like they were taught. Okay? But that devil didn't come out. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus cast a devil out that didn't come out. The madman of Gadara said, who are you that you come to me before the time? For he had said, meaning Jesus, come out of him. In other words, when Jesus came to that madman of Gadara that had that legion, he said, come out of him, and it didn't come out out. Now, what's the next thing that Jesus said? Do you remember that story? The man met a good Aaron, what did he say? What's your name? That's right. What's your name? Now, let me ask you a question. How many times did Jesus say, what's your name casting out devils that we have record of in the scriptures? I'm going to guess that time. Probably just that once. That's once, once, once. Did he tell the disciples, cast out devils, but make sure you get the name? No. I see that happening a lot. What? In modern day. People doing that? YouTube okay. What's your, name? What's your name? Tell What's me your name? your name. Yeah, well, maybe there's some that are accurate with that. But the point is, the reason why he asked for the name is because of his sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. When it didn't come out the normal way, Jesus knew that the Holy Ghost had the answer of how to get it out. So when the Spirit of God said, ask its name, the moment he said, what's your name? That demon said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then that devil squealing like a pig and said, throw us into the swine. We don't yeah. want to go out into the out into the ether, you know, there yeah. without having some, some bot embodiment. And Jesus allowed him to go into the swine. The swine, of course, ran over a cliff and they all died. But the point is that the sensitivity to the Holy Ghost is where prayer and fasting comes in. When you push away the world and you turn your face toward God, God becomes real. Now, look at this as a balance scale, old-fashioned balance scale. So your, your attention is either on the flesh and the world or your attention is on your spirit and God. Jesus said, you didn't know what else to do. Your unbelief is you gave up. We don't give up. Did I say you're going to cast out all devils except one? Or did I say you get them all out? So if you get them all out, then you have to hear right. the Holy Ghost help you to know yeah. what to do to get them out. And that's where the prayer and fasting comes in, which is a prescription for our entire life. Right. Don't we all want to be sensitive at all times to everything God's doing? Shouldn't we be seeing angels? Shouldn't we be working with angels? Shouldn't we be working with the Holy Ghost constantly and then have 100% success at everything we do? The answer is yes. You made a really good point when you were teaching about pressing in especially when you don't see a result and you're not going to let the devil win. So you press even a little bit further. And like you just said, so many of us give up. I remember a time in my own life where I got really bold and I prayed for someone in a wheelchair out in the city and they did not give up. I'm like, let's try, let's, they didn't get out. And I was like, let's try that again. And then I just was really embarrassed. And I was like, you know what, brother, I think you're going to be healed as you go. And I never saw him again. Yeah. But like to have the boldness to like, as long as this takes, man, I don't care. We're not leaving until 
I see this healing because if it says so in the word, then I believe it yeah. and I'm going to do it. And it also comes to getting to a point where you stop caring, which is what you also said. Yeah. And I want to ask a question like, how do you get to that point where you don't care about making, as to quote you, a horse's rear end of yourself, right? With people, because like that's a struggle with, with mine. I like to be liked. But that's probably why I don't see as many miraculous things happening because that's getting in the way is your image and caring about what people think. My, my son-in-law actually did a real good job, went to Karis, and, and, and he really doesn't care what anybody thinks. And the whole reason is is because he said, once I made Jesus my Lord, then if I care about someone else, they become my Lord. If I care about my own my own lack of results, then that's become my Lord. So if Jesus is my Lord, I can't actually care about anything else. And so uh, everything about Jesus' message, this is a part of the message we don't preach. But Jesus talked many times. If you want to actually have a life, you got to lose your life. And what's he saying? He's saying you have to actually let go of what you think about you in this life in order to actually find the real you. Because the real you is not your flesh. It's the spirit. And when you view things after the spirit, it's very different from viewing things after the flesh. So um, I've had experiences with God that have helped me with this, guys. I mean, you know, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and then you have experiences. I mean, I remember this one time I'm in my room, and I'm feeling sorry for myself because I've preached everything I got to preach. and I'm in a really big meeting, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I mean... What can I do? What what else can I do, Lord? Everybody's heard everything I've got to say. I mean, what are we going to do? And I grabbed the door to walk out. And that was my question to him. But I'm ready to walk out. And all of a sudden, an audible voice says, Jimmy, whatever you do, I'll back you up. I got on my hands and knees and looked under my desk. I mean, stupid. But I mean, you know, and it's like, Lord, that's you. And he said, whatever you do, I'll back you up. And I said, you didn't say what, like whatever I would do, did you? And he said, whatever you do, I'll back you up. He said, I know your heart. And he said, you're going to follow me. And whatever you do, I'll back you up. So I went into the room and I said, we're going to have two miracles today. I said, you watch. Now I'm thinking God's going to back me up. Like say, okay, here's your first miracle. For a whole half an hour, I kept repeating that. How many miracles are we going to have? Everybody said, two. I got to the point where it was, you know, everybody in unison just allowed two. So that's right. We're going to have two miracles. And the whole time I'm saying this, I'm looking to God going, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? A half an hour later, it's like he said nothing. And I said, I'm so ticked at you. You said you'd back me up. I said, so here we go. You better back me up. I jumped off the stage and said, we're having our first miracle right now. I had no idea what I was going to do. Wow. And my eyes fastened on this woman in the front. And I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I have fibromyalgia for 30 years. I've never lived a moment in my life without pain. I put my hand up to touch her. People said fire came out of my hand, hit her on top of the head. She falls and crumbles to the floor. When she got up off the floor, she starts hooting and hollering. She got up and ran around the room. She said, my God, my God, I'm free. I'm free. There's not a pain in my body. Woo! And she ran around. When she came back, I looked at her and said, well, dear lady, you know today being Wednesday, it's not the normal day we lay hands on the sick. We lay hands on the sick on Thursday. So if you need anything else, you come back tomorrow. She said, today's the only day I could come. It didn't register in me what just happened. And then I went back to how many miracles are we going to have? Everybody said two. I said, so how many more are we going to have? We're going to have at least one. And, and for the next half an hour, I went over that at least three times. I'm not getting it. I'm a little slow, right? And so now I'm mad again because God's not showing me. So I said, all right, Lord, if you're not going to do something, I am. And I jumped off the platform. We're going to have our next miracle right now. My eyes fastened on a woman in the fourth row. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I got bone spurs on my heels so bad that I walk on my toes. I said, step out in the aisle on the count of three. You jump up in the air and you slam those heels into the ground. You're either going to hurt really bad or you're going to be healed. One of the two. What do you want to what do you want to happen? She says, Well, I want to be healed. I say, good choice. One, two, three. She jumps up and slams her heels in the ground and then started slamming over and over and over again. She said, My God, they're gone, they're gone. She runs around the room. Ushers ran around the room. Same thing. I said, you know, tomorrow is the day we lay hands on the sick. If you need anything else, you come back tomorrow. She said, today's the only day I could come. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. Oh, my goodness. I said, we're going to have two miracles. God helped me to find two people that couldn't come back tomorrow to get them their miracle. And as I walked back to my room, all of a sudden, I said, Lord, were there three? Were there four? And then I thought to myself, maybe I kept someone from getting their miracle because I didn't think big enough. See, that's what starts to eliminate the fear of man and the fear of failure. Mm. 
I just wanted to jump in and I think there's a thread that goes from what we were talking about before Jonathan's question about the connectivity with God and then going, I don't want to look like a fool. I've done that. It doesn't really suit my fancy. And I don't feel like it gives God glory either. Me going out, oh, that didn't work. And now I'm embarrassed and you're confused about who God is. And you brought up your son-in-law's story that, hey, if Jesus is Lord, he's Lord. And when I heard that, yeah, there's some conviction there. Like, well, what does that mean with me? And my first instinct, and I've had this battle in me before, but I think the Lord is leading me to attack it in a different way. When I felt that way, I'm like, all right, let's just go back to Romans 10, 9. I confess that you're my Lord. You're my Lord. You're my Lord. I'd go around and I would just walk by people and say, Jesus Christ is Lord to try to get him to have that spot in my life. But what you said was you've had some experiences that have really helped you with this. Your time connecting with God, experiencing him gets him to the spot where I don't care. I've been with God. I know it. I know this. Sometimes we just run to the book or run to what we've heard from other people instead of experiencing. I just feel this sense that, man, we've had enough knowledge to some degree. We need to get caught up with the experience. Yeah. I mean, if, if you asked people, has everyone in the world since creation had the opportunity to connect with God? The answer would actually be yes. Everyone's had that. Why? Because God's available to everyone. Has everyone in the earth from the very beginning of creation had the opportunity to go buy a Bible? And the answer would be emphatically no. In fact, there were times in our recent history in the last 2,000 years where they took the Bible away, and it was called the Dark Ages, where man didn't have the scriptures. But does that mean no one was saved? Does that mean no one had a connection with God? And the answer would be, of course not. People can connect with God just right out of their heart. Because God's a spirit and we're a spirit. Amen? So, you know, looking at it from that vantage point, the common denominator, you could say, to everyone is really the Holy Ghost more than the Bible. We're privileged to have the Bible, not just on a printing press, now electronically, where we can have multiple translations. The Passion Translation is interesting because there's little bubbles everywhere on the Passion Translation, and I do love it too. You can just hit those little bubbles and comes up a Greek word and an explanation, <laughs> and you're kind of learning as you're reading the Bible. I mean, did they, have, did they have that a thousand years ago? Well, no, but did it cripple them from having more of God? You know, they probably had a better opportunity to find God than we did, and the reason is because society wasn't to the point of great distractions like it is today. They had to actually walk a quarter of a mile or a mile to get to town. And while they're walking, they're seeing nature and the things of God and the beauty that surrounds them where their heart can reflect and their spirit is more free to actually find God. So see, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. But in the process of 30-some years plus of doing this, well, then you stumble over some things. And as you stumble over them, it's like, oh, okay, that's really cool, God. But it's not because I was so sharp or I knew something. The reason why I have what I have today and will continue to have more tomorrow mm-hmm. is really because of one thing. And that is, I am not out for my own. I'm not looking to make a name. I don't really care if I'm in front of anybody. I make myself get up to be in front of people, even though I love the experience once I'm there. And I continue to keep my heart humble before God. And so he keeps, grace keeps giving me more. It's very simple, you know. Um, I've, I've viewed the VIP status in the body of Christ. And I, you know, choose not to actually go that way, you know, to stay simple. That's good. You were talking about how everybody has access to the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, what I think is he's probably the, the least understood and most like misunderstood aspect of the Godhead, um, at least in modern day churches that don't have a proper teaching um, you know, we, we know a lot about God. We know a lot about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's kind of like, well, you know, and then there's the tongues thing and he's just kind of eerie. Um, but it's refreshing to have someone like you on this podcast, say the things that you're saying and really encourage people to press in with the relationship with the Holy Spirit. I love that. Okay. So the little trivia coming to you, to your way, you guys, Yeah, John and Jonathan. Okay. Who's the first individual personality mentioned in the Bible? Holy For- Spirit. Good. Genesis chapter one, verse two. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When it says God, it means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. God, the Father never created anything, Jesus never created anything, and the Holy Ghost never created. They all have a job description, and they work within that job description. The Father's the CEO. He comes up with the blueprint. How do you know that? Well, isn't it interesting? Once once Jesus said, light be, because Jesus is the action character. Okay, he's the one that says what the Father says, that does what he sees the Father do, okay? And he speaks the word, and he spoke the word. Light be. Now, who, where was the Holy Ghost? Well, I he was hovering. Moving over the waters. That's right. Hovering means to incubate. Incubate means to provide warmth as to hatch. So interestingly, God wanted us to know something about the Holy Spirit before we even knew anything about the Father or Jesus. Wow. Why? Because it was the Holy Spirit that was going to be poured out upon us, and we were going to have to know some characteristics of him and how to work with him. So what's one of the things we do know? So one of the things we do know is the Holy Ghost is always early. He's never late. So you can't say, I believe I received my healing, but I'm waiting on the manifestation. Eh, wrong statement. Because what that. you're saying is, is that your belief is right, but the Holy Ghost is late. He's never late. He's always early. He was ahead of time working and preparing and warming up that void for something to be spoken. And so when is a really good pass... Talk about football. When is a really good pass received? When the receiver is running to the designated spot by faith that what is thrown right. will meet him and he'll yeah. catch it in the end zone. So interestingly, the Holy Ghost was in the huddle. Break on three. We're making and creating a new world. So he went to his spot before God told Jesus what to say. And when Jesus said, light be, he already had it warmed up to bring about instantaneous manifestation. Now, you ask yourself, what would help me be a little bit more bold about working with people? Right there, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2. Now, go to verse 3. What does it say? Everything that he spoke was created. Light be. And it was. What's the next thing that happened? Trivia, trivia. Next well, thing that happened. I, it was good. <laughs> he was, he, yeah, said, it he was good. said it was good. Well, he said it was good after he did what? After he At, saw the light. Right. What does it mean to see the light? When's the last time you just started looking at lights that were in a room? No. You take advantage of what the light does. Isn't that right? And you just enjoy the fact that I can see everything. God didn't just enjoy what was made. He inspected what was made. What does that tell you? That tells you, number one, he's really into quality control. Number two, it tells you that he had a picture of what was going to actually be made, and he wanted to make sure it was perfect exactly according to the image that was in him. Now we're learning something about God that helps us to get in the same uh, plan of God or the same positioning because if Christ is in us, we're in the second position now. We're the ones that need to wow. say. We're the ones that need to do. Yeah. And we execute what God does with what? With complete confidence that the Holy Ghost has already been there. He's already warming yeah. it up, That's incubating cool. it, and he won't let us down. <laughs> He's going to back us up. I'm going to have to re-listen to this because I may not understand everything that's going on, but I'm glad I'm in the same car and we're going somewhere. <laughs> so, Amen. Amen. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I do what I do in the, in the meetings. Yeah. Half, see, of, half of what I do, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, but I'm confident he's warming it up. Right. He's there. You're, you're running the route. That's I, right. I am. I no, I'm, I'm throwing the ball. Oh, the you're Holy throwing Ghost the ball. Running he's the running the route. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. I have a sense that as you are connecting with the people and they're connecting to the Lord, because we already discussed that, that you can see hatchings and you can see like the meetings hatching. Unbelievable. And that's what it's you're everywhere. doing. It, you, you know, when you walk into a meeting that the Holy Spirit's already hovering over Did you it. see that guy that came up and I said, I saw you. I saw you by the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came out, and the guy drops on the floor, and his wife is just crying. I said, that mean anything? She said, oh, yeah. Mm. So how'd that get set up? I'm, I'm watching. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking. Yes. I'm paying attention. My yeah. antennas are up 
all the way. If it was the old antennas, you know, that we used to have back in the 60s and rabbit ears, you got to, they're up all the way. And you know what the Lord said to me? Because this is something I've done instinctively for ministry. He said, Jimmy, why don't you keep your antennas up all day long? Why don't you live that way? And I'm like, oh, I, I, I didn't think of that, Lord. Right. And you're going to have a ton more experiences when you live that way. Yeah. Yeah. But God's to, everywhere. Do you know people say things? That's a true statement. John, hold on. <laughs> you know, people say things like this. They say, man, I've, I've, I've been searching for the Lord. Well, how can you not find somebody that's everywhere? Well, I've treated the Holy Spirit. Hey, vulnerable moment. You said that we need genuineness. I'm just being genuine, but we're having a meeting and it's like in the movies where there's that goofball that runs in with the briefcase, like, sorry, I'm late to the meeting. But we, we talk like, okay, we're in the meeting, but the Holy Spirit's going to come in here sometime. Holy, When is we're the Spirit going to fall? We're going to start in the flesh, but then the Spirit's going to show Holy up. Holy Spirit. Thou art welcome in this place. And he's like, okay, I've been here a long time. But what a different perspective to believe that the Holy Spirit was already hovering in the situation yeah. and we're just executing the Father's will. So Aaron and I, and I'll get her to just say something, <laughs> we're, we're, we're starting to really pay attention to the glory of God being everywhere, even in our home. And we're starting to pay attention to there's angels everywhere. And all of a sudden she's been in meetings where the glory comes in and next thing you know, her hands are filled with the glory dust with gold dust, and it's all over her, her legs. It's all over her garment. Really? Yeah, please <laughs> speak on that. Can you confirm that, Aaron? Yes. I mean, yes, it happens. It doesn't wow. happen all the time. And so confirm how that our attention toward these things are bringing them into more manifestation. Mm. Yeah, it's also about us getting around other people who have this happening. Association. Association. Can I bring up a question? Again, I'm just being genuine here, trying to be real. I'm trying to get helped on this podcast, but I get nervous. I'm going, I'm, I'm getting this out of the wrong order. Like I'm going after experiences. If I go after an experience, I can get, I can get manipulated by a demon. I mean, what's going to happen? Uh, I need the word first. I need to, uh, there's this like threat that feels like I could go somewhere I shouldn't go. If I go in my room, I mean, I better be praying in the spirit or reading my Bible. If I'm just sitting here, who knows what I could hear? I, I get. Have you ever experienced that from anyone? Or I'm getting a blank look at me. But well, we've been taught that for years. Be real careful about experiences now. I mean, you had one, but don't try to have another one because you could entertain devils. Well, let me ask you a question: Who does that serve more, God or the devil? The, the shying away from experiences, yeah, it serves the devil more. Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't want you to know God like every day of your life. He loves that your testimony is, I, my life was changed 40 years ago. Have you had another experience? No, but it was amazing 40 years. He loves that. He loves anything that brings limitations and boundaries to the spirit world. Now, question asked, could somebody entertain a wrong spirit? Well, of course you could, but you'd have to have wrong motives. Ooh. Right? If your heart is hungry for Jesus, what part of him said, hunger and thirst, and you'll be filled with the devil? <laughs> neither. Not neither. Nothing. <laughs> but so, the Holy Spirit confirms the word with sign And that's points. why we're not so saying have have don't have the word. the word. If you don't yeah. have any foundation and you're chasing an experience, you will mistake something that the enemy is doing, right? He clothes himself as an angel of light. Maybe, if you don't have a foundation of the maybe, word. Maybe, maybe not. I don't like that answer. Well, the only reason I'm saying that is if you begin to learn the voice of the Holy Ghost. Okay. Look at what Romans 6, uh, verse 10 and 11 says in the Message Bible. Now that you found that sin speaks a dead language, it means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. Huh. Wait a minute. He does what? He speaks my mother tongue. See, maybe if you started to learn the voice of the Holy Ghost, because Jesus said, my sheep know me, they hear me, they follow me. Right. And by, by all measure, said they do not know the voice of a stranger, stranger. and they will not follow him. Do you know what that means? That means instinctively God has put into mm. us as sheep the ability to know the voice of our shepherd. I watched this YouTube video of these people getting off a tour bus in Ireland, and here's the old-fashioned to the middle of the thigh uh, stone wall. 
okay? And behind the stone wall is a more modern, uh, you know, barbed wire fence that would come up to your chest. And in the field are about 40 sheep. And the people are trying to get their attention so that they would come over. And all the sheep had their faces away from their people, which uh, the people, which would mean what part of their body was facing the people. I think you get the point. It was their rear end. And that's what they were giving the people who they did not know and did not know their voice. And a shepherd walks in, said one thing, and every sheep raised its head, looked and pranced over to the shepherd and didn't pay one attention to the devil. See, we get our idea that, you know, if you don't have mega word in you, you're just going to get so easily deceived. Well, you know, God made us so that we would know his voice. I mean, I'm over in another country and everybody's speaking other languages at the airport, which I tune out because it's background noise. It's like white noise because I don't understand what they're saying. And somebody says, hey, Joe, there's a McDonald's. And immediately, like, where's the American? Well, how come I was able to hear him? Because there was distinction. It was my mother tongue. So now, to answer your question, what's the design of what God gave us by giving us a Bible? Let's ask the question, why did we even get a Bible? So that we can recognize our language? So that we can go back to plan A, the Bible's plan B. I know you don't like that, but let me explain. (laughs) In the garden, when God breathed Adam into the body and he came alive and his eyes opened and his senses now were alive, both spiritually and physically, what was he looking at? Was he looking at a book? And the answer is no. He was looking at who? God. And he hung out with God. Now, if God's the author of the Bible and you actually hang out with the author, you probably are going to get the same thing that would be in the Bible and maybe even more. You can't write everything you know in a book. I've written books and I wish I could go back and rewrite some of them, right? So now you're hanging out with the author. Well, Adam messed up and now everything went south and it went south so fast And the paradigm shifted that within three chapters, God even relents that he even made man. And he picks out a guy like Noah and his family so he can procreate again and have a human race and does away with everybody else. Now think for a moment. Then all of a sudden, God begins to take stories of those that had a connection to God, and he writes it in a book because everybody has forgotten already that God even exists. So the Bible is to get you back to plan A, which gets you back to a tangible, working, fun relationship with God where you walk, talk, and experience him constantly. Going back to when we first started this podcast, again, I just see they're connecting. You said, we're faith people. We've been trained in faith. It seems that we haven't used our faith. For the main thing. For the connection. For the main thing. We use our faith for what? She's reaching for the mic. I love it. Say it. Go ahead. How about using our faith to see into the spirit realm? Wow. Mm-hmm. About that? <laughs> so, I need the to main... start with the connection in here, and I'm going to use my faith for that before I go for anything here, because this is the source. Well, this that's... is the heart of the issue. Okay, so then why have we used our faith for healing, for prosperity, for getting a job? For having a better home, but we haven't first used our faith for him. I've got an idea. Seeing him, feeling him, knowing him, seeing this other world, which is our real world, because are you a flesh being? No. You're a spirit being. I have if a you soul see and I some, live in a body. That's right. If you see somebody in a casket, you realize the first thing you realize that's is that they're not, not in there. That's not yeah. there. That's not yeah. them. Okay, yeah. very good. So the real person you are should have greater tangibility. Yeah. To the person that you are, which is the spirit world. This hurts so, so good. Why aren't we using our faith for our spiritual connection, which allows us to experience God and everything else that because comes with Because the him? hue of Times Square is all around us, and it's easier to connect to that than here okay. because we're fleshly. And that would be my that, answer. And has that hue of Times Square crept into the church? Yes. Yes. That's a rhetorical question, sir. Okay. So we're not supposed to have lights. Well, then lights. you got the right answer, didn't you? <laughs> we got lights. I was going to bring in a fog machine if you had one more meeting. Maybe there's glory. <laughs> yeah. It's instant glory cloud. Maybe we should be seeing the glory. Yeah. yeah. 
instead of instead of putting the lights down low to create a theater atmosphere mm. to make it look like you know that we're all and yet at the same time you know and I know that as long as you can kind of wall yourself off from what's going on that the darkness of a room can help you to want to worship yeah. God more people I have are, a rebuttal go ahead and you can, I'm totally willing to be corrected yeah. I like dim lights and I can't say that this is a completely accurate way to back it up in scripture, but if you look at the tabernacle, the only light that was in the tabernacle was the lampstand and the only, and so it was by nature, probably fairly dim in there. And so when you think about the atmosphere, like we're trying, we're going into the, when we're doing worship down there, we are entering into the presence. We're entering in to that holy place, which by nature seems to maybe be a little bit darker. I don't have any problem with that, Jonathan. Nice. What I was nice. what I was actually alluding to more is we're trying to create a rock star concert atmosphere okay. Okay. that draws people to wow, their worship's awesome. But there's lights going on, there's lasers everywhere, there's fog <laughs> going on, and we're and, and and we're wearing our pants halfway around our ankles and we're wearing, you know, hats uh, in different yeah. ways. <laughs> John, John he put your hat on. Right, will you? No, I mean we're 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 ta- trying to take I what people it. like of the world and bring it into the church to draw people to the church. But if the glory cloud is manifesting healings and deliverances and people are laying all over the floor Dinner and their bell. lives are changed. You'll have a hundred people outside the door saying, please, somebody give me a seat. Mm. So see, I believe that just finding God alone will, will draw the people. I, I actually do like worshiping in a little lower light. Do you like that too, hon? Yeah. And one of the reasons is because, because I don't have to feel like everybody's watching every movement. And I, for instance, here, you're, you're a singer, you know this. If the music's too low, your voice is more exposed. Right. So I like the music to complement my voice because in some sense, First of all, it blends better, but in right. another sense, it, maybe it'll hide a few of my imperfections. Exactly. And so, if you, the music is too low, the uh, and and the vocal is too high, the people in the pews they won't even sing, right? Because they're uncomfortable. They feel like everyone around yep. them yep. is going to hear their voice. And they don't want that. But when the music comes up to enough uh, enough of a level where they feel like their voice is hidden, yes. they'll jump right in. That's exactly why we do that. We run it a little hot here. Some people get upset, but it's for that very reason. Absolutely. Very I understand reason. that. Yeah, I do. Okay. Where are we going next? I wanted to say this. Okay. Your use of stories. Uh-huh was amazing and i you're probably one of the only people ministers that i know who who practices the art of storyception which means a story within a story sometimes within another story and that's really brilliant you're telling a story about a guy person a a guy person (laughs) versus a girl person um getting healed and then you're telling them a story about telling a story and i'm like man this is amazing and then you never lose track of where you are and I don't know if that was Holy Spirit gave you that ability. I know you talked about learning how to connect with people when you were traveling a long time ago, but that's that was amazing to me. I loved that. And wrapping your humor into it as well, because we know that humor is a really great way, tool to open the heart. Yeah. And so I would almost say that you're like a master at that. Like you could teach a workshop. Well, Erin's laughing a little bit because she knows I have lost my way many times. I have taken a diversion of a story. Remember that story? And then I forget. Where was I now? <laughs> so anyhow, there's there's some other fun stories that go back to even Brother Hagen messed with me on purpose. He'd come down off the stage, put his hand on my shoulder, and he'd be telling me, he said, now remember where we were. And the moment he said that, he wiped out the memory of the whole singers and band. I had no idea where I was. I turned to her and say, what, wh- wh- where was he? She said, I don't know. I turned back to some of the other members in the group. I said, where was he? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like he wiped our memory out, but no one cared because he wasn't going to them. He was coming back to me. And after 40 minutes, he came back and said, well, he said, where was I? 
And I said, well, uh, yeah, you young folks, you don't ever listen. You don't know anything. And, and he'd do that to me meeting after meeting after meeting. So one meeting, I said to the Lord, I said, vindicate me. It is time to fix his little red wagon. We are going to get him. Lord, help me. And people would come up to me at the book table and say things like, if you'd write it down, Sonny, you would remember it. It's like, I didn't remember it to write it down. (laughs) So here I am, and he comes down, puts his hand on me and says, remember who it was? And Jesus helped me to know I wrote it down. And when he came back and said, well, where were we? I pulled out my sheet of paper and I said, this is exactly where he, this is what he goes. And he walked away and he never did that to me again. So let me say this. There are times where I have forgotten, but stories, listen to this. This is so awesome. Matthew 13, verse 10, message Bible. The disciples came and asked, why do you tell stories? He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever somebody has a ready heart for this, a ready heart, which is an open heart, open mind, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge people toward a welcome awakening. Mm -hmm. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it, listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are stupid. That's that's kind of harsh. They stick their fingers in their ears so they don't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. So that is why we tell stories, to nudge people toward receptive insight. I have a question for you guys. Go for it. Are you ready? Yes, sir. No. Okay. Did Jesus, when he taught people, drown them in Scripture? No, sir. What did he do? Parables. And the parables always went with the occupation, usually. So to the fisherman, he would talk about what? Fishing. Right? To the farmer, he would talk about what? Seeds. Notice what he did. This is really important for all you people to hear. He located where they had a connection. And he capitalized on their connection to the fish or to the farming or to whatever else. And then he would tell a story and say, it's just like your connection to the fish. And they go, oh my gosh, I get that. And in the way that they were connected to something here, it's the same way your heart connects to God. And he would take their connection to the fish, to the farming, to Mary cooking the food, Martha. And then he would redirect it to the kingdom of God. And they'd go, okay, I get that. Isn't that interesting? Help me though. Because in my understanding of the section of scripture where the sower sows the word on the different soils, Uh they left not understanding. And then the disciples asked and he said, since you asked. So it's like he connected it to him, but they still missed the main point. Am I reading that section of scripture wrong? Because it's like he teed it up for him, but they still didn't get it. Yeah. There were some that didn't understand and the devil came immediately to take away what? The seed. seed. So even them not understanding there was something that the devil had to take away and then the second soil (laughs) remember it sprang up yes but then they they didn't have depth in other words they didn't have what we know is so important to the body of christ which is learning the word content A a foundation. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Well, the devil came against them and said, I guess I didn't get that. And boom, it left, which means when it sprang up, it means it was an instant manifestation. Mm. That's Mm, true. That's very interesting. And then the other soil, it grew up, but it grew up in the midst of things that were distracting our ability to actually single it out. The hue of Times Square. Yeah, there you go. Uh. Hue of Times Square, which would be what? The cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. And it choked out what actually grew up, and so it wasn't able to maintain. So in each situation where you don't see lasting results, which is 75%, you still see something being sown. 
man, the devil, he comes against the word. He, he sees what's potentially there even when someone else doesn't. If only we valued not just the logos, but the rhema words to yeah. the degree that the devil did, what kind of victory would we yeah. have in yeah. the body of Christ? And as we shared the other night, I mean, to actually really have the full importance of the Logos word of God, you need the revelator to help you to understand it. So the spirit of truth will reveal or bring you and lead you into truth, which is reality. So the Holy Ghost is the one. Of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, you know, what knows a man save the spirit of the man? Who, what knows God save the spirit of God? And without the spirit of God revealing to you what is of the spirit, you will not even be able to comprehend. So the Holy Ghost is the one that causes, when you read the word of God and open up your heart to the truth, he'll cause the word that's anointed to become real in your heart. So man, you know, you just can't beat the, the fact that this whole new covenant is based off of one thing, a new life in the spirit. Would you want me to read something to you that just might kind of set that off for a second? Absolutely. I would really appreciate that. Are, are you okay that? with that? All right, well, then I'm going to read you over in Romans chapter 7, which is an interesting scripture because that's where Paul alludes to the idea that when you're married, you're bound by that marriage. But when a partner of that marriage, your spouse dies, you're free legally to marry another. And he brings that into the relationship we have with God. We were bound by the law. But when Jesus died, he freed us from the law so we could enter into the new kind of life of the Spirit. And I put all this together. The King James says, but now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were once held by so that we could serve in the newness of the Spirit and not the oldness of the letter. Different translations say it this way, and I put it all together. You are discharged from the law. The law has no hold on you. You have terminated all intercourse with it. You have been fully released from it. The law's claim on us is annulled. You died to it. You are a free man. You died to what once held or what once restrained and held you captive. You are dead to what once controlled you. You died to what once held you in bondage. We have escaped by death from that which held us prisoners. So now we serve under the obedience to the promptings of the Spirit in the newness of life. Your obedience comes welling up from the depths of your nature, inexhaustible, better and better all the time, and fresh every time as though you have just thought of it. So that now we may serve God by living in the freshness of a new life of the power of the Spirit. We are free to serve God in the new spontaneous way of the Spirit, no longer cribbed and confined by the antiquated shackles of the external law. We are indeed enthralled or spellbound still, but it's under the new conditions of obedience to the Spirit's promptings. That's the difference between the Pentateuch and Pentecost. The old law was written in a book, the Spirit is a breath. And so now listen to this in the message, Romans 8, 12, and 14. So don't you see that we don't old Oh, this old do-it-yourself life, one red cent. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent barrel and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. And then the fifth verse of Romans 8. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. What I just shared to you is Christianity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, while we spend all of our time trying to perfect our life by reading more, studying more, praying more, doing more, so that we would appease God, grace has already given us this amazing connection to God. If we'll let the scriptures that we read bring more awareness of the Holy Spirit and our connection to God. We'll live in this exciting place. Guys, this is my new book. It's going to be coming out in a couple months. It's called What's Next, Papa? And when you yeah. go after that experience, it doesn't become discipline anymore because you have him. And then him. it's not like, oh man, I got to do this. And it's a disciplinary Is action. it discipline for you to enjoy a night sitting out on the porch with your wife, enjoying the nature that's all around you? It was at first because I couldn't <laughs> see what she saw in it. Okay. But the more, but I'm that's just good. being real. Yeah, that's good. But what about now? I was now? so busy on the inside. But what about it's now? It's one of the best things ever. I asked her to do it more than she wants to so do it. So then let me ask you a question. Isn't there to any individual that you spend time with a learning curve? Yes. 
Absolutely. And don't we, even as, as husbands and wives, my, my wife right here, Aaron, is sitting with me, we constantly are in a learning curve. Even after 31 years of marriage, there's still things that she might say to me, I, I wish you would just allow me to such and such. And then I might say, well, I wish you would, you know, help me in this. Because we're, we're two different people, and we're still learning how to interact with one another. But guess what? Is it a discipline, or it's a, is it supposed to be life? It's life. Any thoughts, hon? You guys? What do you think? <laughs> it's fantastic. Thank yeah, you so much. I, I'm, I might pay you to narrate a book. Okay. You have that type of voice. Okay. Are you going to narrate your own book? You should narrate You know that. what? She's, she says I should do that, especially for this yeah. new one. Yeah. So uh, I'll pro- I probably great. will. Yeah. You know, one thing I really appreciate is that you really put the ball on the tee for us when you ask us questions. We've had people on the podcast that ask us a question, and I go, I have no idea. Well, because so, it, because his you. purpose was to get us to the answer, not to yeah. confuse us. His you goal ask us was about the, the key of David or Abraham's bosom. Yeah, I wouldn't know that either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was nice. That was nice. Well, let's wrap up the podcast yeah. in our fashion with the wisdom of the day. And wisdom is practical application experience. What is the one takeaway from this podcast, this, this discussion that we had today, that we want to connect with. Uh, okay, I'm going to leave you with one phrase, and it's actually the title to my book, What's Next, Papa? And the Message Bible says this is not a grave-tending life, but an adventurously expectant life of what's next, Papa. So if you'll think about that, then you should be having an experience with God. Now, don't wrap that experience into something woo-woo, it can be as simple as I just saw this bird of prey that I love fly over my car and I acknowledged it by saying, God, I know you sent that for me. Thank you. Because with every acknowledgement of what is around you that yeah. represents uh-huh. God being in your life, he wants you to notice more. Yeah. Can, we, can, we, can we literally say that we're probably missing 99% of God who is all the while in us, around us, and doing things for us? We probably can say that. So every time you acknowledge him, then he'll always yeah. want you to see more. And Nathaniel said, my Lord and my God. Jesus didn't puff off his chest and say, don't you forget it, boy. That's right. <laughs> no, you know what he said? He said, basically, he said this. Did you like that? Nathaniel said, that's amazing. Yeah. He said, then if you'll hang out with me, you'll see angels mm-hmm. ascending and descending upon the sun. Yeah. What did he say? If you like that, you just invited me yeah. to do more. And yeah, my wife's so, really good at that as well. Like recognizing that stuff. And I feel so yeah. dumb sometimes when I'm around her, but she was having struggle with her vision for a number of years uh, where it, things would just go but while, while she was driving and the Holy Spirit told her to look up and there was an eagle flying. Yeah. And she looked at that eagle and just said, thank you, God. And yeah. as soon as she acknowledged him yeah. and thanks, yeah. he healed her eyesight. Yeah. It Isn't was that awesome? Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. John, that's a You just got to find a bird of prey. That's right. I don't right. need to keep snapping. Why have you not um, been seeing them? Because <laughs> I'm in a learning process. Listen, listen. Yeah. Isn't it true that as we grow and develop a child, you guys have children? Yeah. I when do. They, you don't? Okay, Jonathan he will. does. You will. Okay. Jesus Praise name. the Lord. Amen. Yes, you will. And so you will. Glory. That one came from him. Okay. So anyhow, um, when children are little, you'll say, honey, did you see it? No, I, I didn't see it, daddy. What was I supposed to look at? See, they don't see much. They only they see things that are really, really big right in front of them. Yeah, yeah. And as they grow older, they'll say, daddy, look it. And then all of a sudden they saw it. Yeah. And then as they become adult, they begin to take in the whole view. As we're growing in him, we begin to see more yeah. and more Amen. and more. And the thing is, we haven't acknowledged him. Acknowledgement is the invitation for God to literally be God in your life. Right. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I would like to hear from you both on this, uh, you two. It's been such a blessing to have you, Aaron, as well. But I want to be a person of faith, the just shall live by faith. And just in this podcast, I repent from starting with what I believe you said. You said the main thing, right? Which is connection. Connection. And then you said that it's faith. What did you say exactly? Oh, sorry. No, I want to hear well, from you. We were you. just talking about using our faith for different things in our relationship with God. And I just presented what about using our faith to actually see into the spirit realm. That's it. 
because that's more real than this realm. And what you just read from Romans 7 and 8 is like these spiritual realities, going after these spiritual realities. That's this, And I'm going to acknowledge it, and I'm going to be thankful for it, and I'm going to see more of it. And, and let, me, let, me say, let me say this. Um, grace is so amazing that even if you feel like you're two steps behind, the moment you acknowledge, you want to acknowledge him. The moment you acknowledge, you want to see. Instantaneously, grace thrusts you forward and you can go very far and very fast and have as much as you want. That's good. Praise God, man. Thank you so much. We're at that yeah. time where we would love for you to pray us out of this podcast, sir. Okay. Or, ma'am, either one. <laughs> yeah. We would love for yeah. it. Yeah. You got any? No, but I want to say one more thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, say two things. <laughs> Everybody think, say it with me, too. I think just because it's been coming to me, yeah. like speaking to me about actually acknowledging these little things. And maybe sometimes we, I feel like maybe I don't acknowledge some of the little things because I think they're so little. And as we actually do acknowledge them and, and say, thank you, Lord, for that out loud, which that's an issue for me because I don't talk as much as him and I don't say things out loud a lot, but as we acknowledge them, I think that's when we're going to start seeing more and more. Like I'm always looking and sometimes I'll go through a day and I, I didn't see much today. Like, how did I go through this day and not see your grace or this and that? And I just think I don't acknowledge the little things enough and then they'll, you know, present bigger things and more and more and more. I love it. It's perfect. It goes with Song of Solomon 2.15. The little foxes spoil the vine. Oh, that so if it's so the good. little foxes yeah. that spoil it, then it's the little tiny acknowledgements that repair it. Yes. And people think, well, I mean, I had one guy say, okay, okay, I've gotten really good at, you know, the birds and the flowers, but what about a big thing? And then I, I responded and I said, well, you, you're not actually understanding the reason why you're acknowledging the little things because there are no big things. I said, so in the same way you acknowledge the bird and the flower mm -hmm. and it touched your heart and there was a connection. It's the same connection that'll kill a cancer. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you open our eyes and our hearts to the amazing grace of God that is everywhere. Your ability, your love, your favor, it surrounds us at all times. And I pray for everyone listening on this podcast that even as of this moment and today, that from what they've heard, and if they want to listen to it again, that's fine, but that their eyes shall begin to see, their ears shall begin to hear, their heart shall begin to perceive the very things that you have done for us. And as we do, we will be flabbergasted. The word Jesus used is, you will marvel at all the wonderful things that God has done for us. And we will lose sight and we will lose value in the things of the flesh. Even the sicknesses or the diseases or the troubles that are in our life, we'll lose sight of them in the very presence of the Lord. And like the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was amazing. Thank you. And till next time, I'm just going to say that we'd love to have you both back on this podcast. And J&J &J will be back next time on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J&J. &J.